You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro, who's the Deputy Chairman of Sassman Securities in Johannesburg. David Moody's, I don't know if it's, if it's sort of saying, well, this is what you're going to get on March the 27th, but it's just downgraded South Africa's GDP forecast from a fairly anemic 1% to a pretty pathetic 0.7%. And that's probably quite generous, I would have thought. Well, it's in line with everybody else. You know, that growth is going to be uh, point below 1%. You have to look at this against where we were perhaps at the similar period last year where everybody thought it would be one and a half to 2%. So it's half of what we originally thought it would be. And that's what, that's the trend. You know, every year we keep downgrading. Uh, the worry is that what's the potential for the economy for the next two to three years or even beyond? And Lindsay, it's no, it's no greater than 1%. So mm. I think we're going to live with this. I, I don't understand economics. When I say I don't understand. Of course you do. But economists are, well, economists are able to work out what the potential is. In other words, uh, let's say, what are the factors of production? What are the skills? What is the capacity? I don't know how they get to this uh, number. But, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're able to kind of forecast, well, it can't grow beyond this. And I suppose electricity and power has a lot to do with it. So the outlook for the next few years is going to remain against these kind of levels. So, you know, with Moody's, um, I don't know what when their announcements are going to come out. March you know, the 27th. Anybody looking at that. Yeah, so mm. someone's got to be able to say against this, well, you know, what's what the chances of paying debt down, which is increasing over the next few years, you know, no wonder – the other rating agencies are fairly negative because it's going to put a strain on, uh, on, 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 on everybody here, certainly on the fiscus, to pay down debt. So, yeah, it's, it's a reality which, we're, uh, you know, which we have to face. Yes, I, think that, I think that's why the rands perhaps – the dollar has been quite strong today. And uh, the rand's now at 40.98, so we've given up whatever gains we had last year and heading you know, once again to that 15 level and almost 19 and a half against the pound. Now, that might be because of Moody's is coming out with, uh, you know, that view, or alternatively, it's just a factor of the market today. Yeah, I think um, one of the reasons that was mooted for the RAND going close to 15 again and changing its big figure from 14 is because of the Moody's announcement. But I say yeah. to myself, you know, it's just an excuse. As you quite rightly said, they're just yeah. going in line with everybody else. They, they are. That's... I, d- I don't know how they work it all out, you know, how everybody, but I'm sure that they take guidance from uh, the other organizations. IMF have come and downgraded us to, I think, 0.8 or thereabouts. It might even be lower than that. And you know, you know something, uh, Lindsay, if you look at the results coming through, every day now we're starting to get results which are pointing towards more and more stress in this economy. Yes. Um, you, you know, it's not only, yes, these are multinational companies with elements of uh, South African trading in, but uh, it's just ongoing now that it's, uh, you know, the pressure is starting to build up uh, on corporate numbers yeah. and uh, not looking good. No, and, and on that note, actually, the, one of the first ones that came out um, this morning, which is in line with what you've just said, is uh, the Bid Corporation Limited, Bid Corp, came out with a trading statement. Yeah. The share price on my screen is down 3% at the moment, about 45 yeah. minutes before the close. But you know the bid, the whole Bid Group quite well. What do you make of Bid yeah. Corp? Do you like it? Well, or, is again, is it just one of those ones that you just can't touch simply because of what you've alluded to in the last six minutes? Well, this is better than – this is offshore. 
Okay, mm. so uh, they have limited South African exposure, but um, it does show a slowdown in food services. That's yes. what they do. That they have exposure in Australia. I don't know whether that's been hit by uh, the fires, you know, because it's it's more hospitality. That's what food services are. Uh, Hong Kong has been a bit of an issue for them. Um, I don't know what growth is like in Europe, but overall, that impressed us on the upside. And I think why the market has come down is that I think the market was positioning itself for a slightly better result. Uh, result. I think they. I, I haven't got the numbers in front of me. Three to five percent, whatever it is. Mm. I think the market was looking for a lot more than that. Maybe. Uh, in the region of 7, 8 or 9%. I do see their trucks whizzing around the Netherlands almost every day. If I go out, I see bid services, bid food, whatever it is, and they're delivering food. So they're doing well in certain countries, and the Netherlands is one country that's doing better even than Germany, France, um, Italy. But obviously they're feeling the, the strain as well. David... The big standout set of results today was Anglo-American Platinum Limited because yes. their share price yeah. up around 4.5% yeah. as we speak. Mm. These numbers are mm. staggeringly good. They, they are. They're exceptionally good, and the market is pricing in the good performance. There's just one factor about this. Yes. Production flat. So this is a – you know, production is pretty if, – if you look at it, they didn't increase production a lot. What, what did increase was the basket, uh, the PGM basket. So in dollar terms, it was up 27%. In rand terms, about 38%. And that gave the uh, the big move. And, of course, they generate a huge amount of cash. And the problem is you're saying, well, okay, what's the outlook? You know, uh, How does the outlook? Are they going to increase production or are we going to rely on a weakening rand and increasing prices again? So I think that's the only caveat. And probably they look a little overpriced, maybe relative to Impala and Sabanya, who've got some upside uh, in that si- on, on, on that side of it, you know, can increase production on that. So I, I've still got to go through the results in much greater detail. But I think the one thing that struck me was – was that? But that's that's not holding the price back because you know, it's still it's still the it's still the platinum producers you know that are running hard. Let's see, we're not going to stop them. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a fantasy. It's a fairy tale story. And South Africans, yeah. when you see precious metals running, especially now these days, the platinum group metals, because we dominate 75% of world production, then a South African investor, a punter, is going to say, I've got to be part of this. There's two questions I ask you now. Uh, number one, do you think they're holding back production because this is what South Africa should have been doing for many, many years? In other words, saying, well, we, we hold all the cards here, so we're going to restrict how much there is so our prices go up and you can you can you can pay up or get new technology and find some other metals that might uh, fill your catalytic converters or whatever else they're used for that's the first thing and secondly is it a sign that chris griffiths is a, is unlike a prize fighting boxer a heavyweight champion who carries on and on he's just saying right this is the top i'm getting out of here so two points that's, there mm, mm, that's that's very interesting because uh, that's the first that I thought, you know, look, he's had a very strong track record. He was at Kumba. Uh, he left Kumba in very good shape. And in fact, we were a bit disappointed when he left Kumba to join Anglo-Platz about five or six years ago. I'm not sure how many years he's been there. More than but that. he's yeah. done an incredible, yeah, he's done a very, very good job at uh, Anglo-Platz. And, you know, if you look back and look at Anglo-Platz when he took over and where it is today, 
Uh, he's got rid of a whole lot of other, you know, areas which uh, were unproductive. He's got or unprofitable. He's sold off a lot of mines, and uh, they're in a far better shape, you know, when he retires now than they were when he took over. Um, what the outlook is, I, you know, you need you need a bigger brain than me, someone who understands mining, to try and forecast uh, whether they will increase production uh, or not. It's not always easy. Mining's not easy, and but I would have thought that. You know, in a year like this, they would have uh, production would have been better. But let let me not. I don't, I, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to stick my neck out, not being that knowledgeable on 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 how mines operate and and what held them back. But it, it it is something that's just struck us. You know, certainly struck me. Yes, another one that struck me today was the voluntary t- trading statement for the six months ended yep. the 31st of December from yep. Discovery. I'm looking at it now and it says oh. here, now you just say you hadn't heard, you hadn't read the results or the, rather the trading update, which you have done of course. Over the six months ended yep. 31st of December, oh. all of Discovery's established and emerging businesses with the exception yep. of Vitality Life produced robust operating results. So, yep. uh, and so it goes on and then it lists it, it says, indicative increase or decrease in normalized profit from key operations discovery health plus eight percent discovery life up 25 percent discovery invest seven percent insurer up 21 and so it goes on and on and on and yet the share price getting walloped well because the bottom line which comes down further you know further down the statement is that headline earnings are going to be down between eight and 13 percent now that's that's a big so when we read what's happening at the top Yes. Uh, these are all the divisions are making good sales or their profits are up. Obviously, below the line, below all of this, things are happening there which are very, very costly. We don't know what the uh, the real cost of vitality life means. You know, they were down 145%. This is uh, a hedge that's gone wrong. Uh, we're going to have to find the detail out lower. But what does come through is that, uh, um, that there are things happening below the line which we can't quite get a grip on. Are they a once-off, though? You see, this is what people will say. This is a knee-jerk reaction, surely, because... No. No, it's not. No. Okay. Because this is ongoing. This is ongoing. You know, uh, this is what they call um, increase in spend on new initiatives. You know, that's up 81%. Hmm. So it means they're plowing more and more money into these new initiatives. But what's happening is we're not seeing the gains from these new initiatives. You know, in other words, uh, let me put this in another way. Uh, with all those numbers that you're seeing, you're hoping to see something come through to the bottom line. And it's not. When your profits are down 8 13%, you're saying, hold on. So when are these new initiatives going to kick in a posit- in a positive way? So it's, 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 it's a rather, you know, it's, it's a bit disturbing, or let's put it this way, we don't quite grasp what's happening. You know, we, we, it's hard to reconcile exactly as you've said with the bottom line, but the market's saying, hold on a sec, this is not, this is not what we wanted from a company uh, that used to produce plus 20% profits every year, you know, year after year after year, yeah. which hasn't done so for the last couple of years. Well, of course, this is the old skyscraper head office syndrome, you know, when someone mm. starts to say to themselves, well, you know, we're doing so well, we're going to build a, a Google or Apple-style head office <laughs> in, in Santa, and up it goes, and then the share price ever since then, actually, mm. probably coincidental, hasn't done uh, so well. And uh, no. I don't know, maybe no. the, it, it could be a once-off. I, but, I, I think the health and life and invest and all those companies that rely on South Africa, uh, even though they've got what 
Adrian describes as robust results, mm. I think they're slowing down. I think the bottom line there is slowing down, and and it has to. It has to. You know, we started off this conversation by saying that uh, um, Moody's have downgraded growth here to 0.7%. How can you grow a financial services business or an insurance business in an environment where you've got growth of that rate, you know, 0.7%? You can't. You know, it, it, it's impossible year after year. And I think it's just starting to hurt, you know. And, and, and so while they might be up 25%, we don't know the composition of, uh, of that number. You know, remember life had a pretty bad year last year. So this could be recovering from, uh, you know, from, from problems they had there. So probably the seven and eight percent are more in line with what's happening, but that's not good enough. I'd like to see a pie chart of their earnings. I mean, a very simplistic one. If you could just describe to somebody where they derive their income from, you'd say, well, South Africa is 52%, the UK is 22%, etc. I'd like to know, because the UK is, I don't care what anyone says, it's going to be under pressure and is under pressure at yeah. the moment. Yeah. I mean, it's getting whacked. Insurance companies are getting whacked because of storms. Uh, the beleaguered high street is, is crumbling before our very eyes. Brexit is still an uncertainty. And the European Union has said, yeah, we're going to be at each other's throats until December, yeah. which is when the trade deal has to be ratified. I just wonder, and then you've got Ping An, and I don't suppose the insurance mm. business in China is being too badly affected. In fact, it, affected, in fact, it might actually be boosted uh, by the coronavirus. But there's, mm. there seems to be something in the future that doesn't quite sit well with the prospects for discovery. That's, you know, that's, that's the problem because the health, life, invest, and insure. Insure is very small, but uh, the three first uh, health, life, and invest – that makes up the bulk of um, the profits. In fact, if you look at health, life, invest, and I think about the UK number, the UK business, yes. uh, up to the last set of results, and you know, you asked me the question, that made 112% of the profits. <laughs> the rest took away 12%. Okay, so um, I'm trying to put it in very simple form. So health, life, and invest, and UK give 112 the rest took away 12. So it means that um, it, it's pretty much the kind of picture. Uh, you need health, life, and invest to keep providing the profits to, you know, to finance the other. Now, we need that minus 12 to match the 100 that the other three are giving, and that's, that's taking too much time. Sorry, I don't want to get complicated, but what I'm trying to say is yes. that the investment that they're making, you know, this, all this money they're plowing into the bank, into Vitality, to all these other businesses has got to start kicking in sooner or later because that top end, you know, those three mature businesses are not generating what they used to. And that's, that to me kind of sums it in a very simple way that, you know, this is, these are my worries that, that uh, the other businesses in which they've invested so much money are not kicking in fast enough or big enough to compensate the slowdown that we're seeing in the other businesses. Let's go overseas now if we can, because I sent out a tweet last night when I was watching Michael Bloomberg or coverage of Michael mm. Bloomberg. He's now spent 400 million US dollars in yep. his feud with, um, with Donald Trump, and it was quite interesting. He was interviewed by somebody. The interviewer said some clever statement like, I don't know, now you're going head-to-head -head with another billionaire for the presidency. And he said, who's the other billionaire? Because obviously yeah, implying yeah. that Mr. Did. Trump is not a, a billionaire. <laughs> but this guy's got $60 billion. He's paid $400 billion in advertising spend. 
and he's really having he's really having a go. And if, if you got sixty billion, you'd spend a billion, wouldn't you, just to just to rival one of the most hated characters in in your circle of, of friends? I would certainly do it. Well, that's that's his whole purpose. He he watched uh, as this market unfolded. You know, as the, sorry, the Democratic uh, primaries unfolded, and he said, "There's nobody there." Yes. to stand up against Trump. He would have he wouldn't he didn't want to go into it but he said hold on a second there's no one there that's going to be able to stand up Trump and I think that his dislike for Trump which he's which has come through in interviews just believing he's not the right man and um you know someone needs to stand up and uh, um I can't, I'm trying to remember what he said but highly critical of what Trump stands for. And uh, that's the only reason he decided, okay, well, let me give it a go. As you mentioned, he's got a lot of money, significantly more than Trump has. He's not going to outside people for to finance his uh, campaign. He's doing it all himself. Yeah. And that gives him a lot more pressure. And he, I think he's beginning to worry some of the other uh, incumbents, uh, the Bernie Sanders, uh, certainly Biden. You know, and I think he'll come through. Um, I, you know, we're gonna we're gonna see next week at the, what they call Super Tuesday, where where a lot of primaries from uh, various you know various states uh, take place, and you'll see where he is. Um, it could lead to a number of people dropping out. I, you know, he for me, he's the only one who's got any chance of standing up to Trump. Well, he certainly. Uh, well, others, he's <laughs> others are not going to make it. Talking about standing up to Trump, I mean, Mr. Trump isn't six foot three. We know that he wears lifts and heels. <laughs> it's, it's very well documented. It's very well documented. But maybe he's six foot or five foot eleven or something. Trump keeps on going on about Michael Bloomberg being five foot four. He little, always calls little people Mikey, little, little Michael. Mikey, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mini Mike, mini Mike. He calls him, which is very funny. But he's actually five foot seven. Which isn't tall. I don't know how tall you are, David. It's me. No, is it? Five foot seven. Uh, mini, mini, what can yeah. I call you? A diminutive David. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, but you see, but it's, 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 a, it's a fascinating personal battle they've got going there. And I have to say that Michael Bloomberg looks a little bit more composed at the moment than uh, Donald Trump. What else have you been seeing, uh, uh, David? Bloomberg can get at him. Yeah. Bloomberg's a sharp man. He really I've, is. I've listened to a number of, of, of interviews where he's spoken with, with Lloyd Blankfein. You know, he's a Bloomberg channel, and uh, he's been, you know, he, he was the mayor of New York, and he did a lot of good work for, for New York while he was the mayor. And uh, so he's no monkey. You know, he's not, he's not new to the political scene. Mm. Uh, have so you, have he can, he, he he might not be used to electioneering to Kansas or Tennessee or those states, but uh, you know he certainly holds up again in the in, in California and Chicago and places like that. Yeah, I think so. Have you ever been to the new Bloomberg Building in the City of London? I mean, it's been up for I, I have two and a half. Oh, not London. Sorry, sorry. I've I've, I've only been to the New York one. Which is really, uh, which really is beautiful. Which is across the road from Bloomingdale's, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, just the and it's it's a staggering building. I'm mm. talking about New York. Yes. It and um, it is an incredible building. And not only that, um, when you come in there, they make you feel welcome. There's coffee. There's biscuits. There's you have no idea what it's like. And I went to their studios. I went to their radio, uh, the radio place, and. And they have a full kitchen because people stay late, and especially in a city like New York, 
I was incredibly impressed. Funny enough, I saw Michael Bloomberg walking around. Yes. And he, he, he there's no fancy office the size of uh, Empire State, you know, or uh, of a rugby field. That he's, he's a very humble man from that point of view. I think works in an open office as he did when he was mayor. So, and, you know, he's walking around chatting to people, etc. Uh, I did meet him back in the 90s. Uh, I did have the opportunity of meeting him. He wasn't quite as famous as he is now. I went to a seminar where he was uh, uh, a guest of honor. So uh, he, he, he won't remember me. <laughs> oh, yes. Really? <laughs> but David, he said that the London building is exactly the same. They've, they excavated it in a very historic area of the city of London, you know, the original centre of London, and they found Roman ruins and everything. They've turned it into museums. There's an underground river that was exposed that's now been covered in perspex, and it looks just mm -hmm. amazing. You go in there, and it's incredible. It really is. I mean, you, we oh. talked about the Discovery Building earlier on, but this thing is out of this world. You you have to understand, you know, I, I think few people understand. This is a reasonably new business. You know, Reuters, I don't know when did Mr. Reuters start Reuters. I think maybe the first twenty years ago or something. Or or thereabouts. Maybe, yeah. maybe Had before. a big start on Michael Bloomberg, yeah. Hmm. And so Bloomberg's built a formidable organization. Yeah, so really good has. luck to him. Yeah, good luck to him as well. Mm. Let's give uh, Trump a run for his money. He won't quite manage it, but mm. uh, anyway, he'll, he'll enjoy spending a billion US dollars on, on, on giving it a go. Anyway, anything else you're seeing at the moment, David, before we turn to football? Uh, uh, look, I, the markets are strong. Lindsay, I, I, I'm a bull. Yes. I'm an ultra bull. But I must admit that it's uh, taken me by surprise how strong the market is. And I think that before we start to call it, you know, coming back, we were worried about the virus. We were worried about a whole lot of other issues and that. And I think coming back now and taking a step back, I think the only time this market's going to tumble is when we start to see interest rates rise. You know, when you start to get a threat of uh, inflation coming through and uh, rates rising, I think it's going to unsettle the market. Until then, just let it run. You know, I'm saying don't be too quick to set it down. No. Uh, that, to me, is going to be the only issue. So um, it's surprising me. I'm, I'm enjoying it. But uh, watch, you know, we've got to watch data for any science. And for the meantime, if anything, if you looked at retail numbers coming out of the U.S. and other data, it's more likely that, that central banks are going to keep lowering rates rather than raising rates, which just makes it equities, for whatever reason, a little more attractive than they are. But valuations, you've got to admit, are starting to look a bit stretched. They are, but not too stretched. They can become more stretched. And, um, yeah, yeah, it could be another couple of years. Who knows? It's the longest expansionary period in stock yeah. recent stock market history. Football now, and we have to bring some money into this because Manchester City <laughs> have been... Now, this is important. I mean, well done to Arsenal, by oh, the no. way, for beating Newcastle 4-0. But, I mean, you know, is that an achievement? I'm not so sure. But, anyway, they won 4-0. Well, all the Arsenal fans think we've won the league, you know that. Yeah, you've moved up to 10th in the table. <laughs> I could believe um, But the other thing is that uh, Manchester City, with their Middle Eastern yeah. backing, has been banned from the UEFA Champions League for yeah. two years. Uh, there, are, there are several implications for this. First of all, the loss of, of revenue, uh, which is, I don't know, if you win the UEFA Champions League, it's worth 90 to 100 million pounds, yeah. apparently. So that's obviously uh, quite significant. And even if you get to the quarterfinals or semifinals, you're still getting handsomely rewarded. But also, mm. it just means that Pep 
who's you know he's he's a football manager. He's he's got an ego. He's not going to be with a team for two years that are not competing in Europe. Then yeah. he's not going to want to just be in charge of a team that's playing Burnley and Newcastle <laughs> and Huddersfield yeah. every week. Uh, so yeah, he'll be I gone. The players will leave as well because they want the glamour mm. of going to Milan and Barcelona mm. and Madrid and, and Paris Saint Germain and all those those places. It's very very significant what's happened. It is, and it's it's distressing that they should uh, fudge the numbers like they did. Yeah, and uh, you know hide hide what is uh, an investment as uh, as being sponsorship sales or sponsorship whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, and listen, Chelsea suffered. Chelsea were also banned from buying new players, what, for two years. And, um, so, you know, that's just, this seems to be all part of fair play. And why do you have to do that? You know, why do they have to do it from that, that point of view? And now, sure, I, I don't know how the owners are going to feel or whether they were part of it. I doubt. I'm not sure they were part of it, but whatever it is. Uh, it is going to bring the, you know, it's going to bring the team down and uh, the next two years is going to be very difficult. And it's sad. It's mm. rather sad. You know, do you really want Sheffield United in the Champions League? I mean, or, or Spurs? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but, but in all fairness, it's all fairness, the Champions League only becomes, uh, interesting now. You know, the first part is, just such a lot of bunk because there are teams there that quite honestly deserve are, are no better than Sheffield United so uh, we'll see um, listen and, and, and even Liverpool started to look a little tired you know yesterday they, were, they seemed to be battled and this was Norwich <laughs> so you're beginning to wonder about the league yeah, but what you also worry about is uh, when you look at the, the major European leagues, that's Italy, Spain, and the English Premier League. You look mm. at those, those three. The other ones are actually quite exciting. You've got a two-horse race between Barcelona and Real Madrid. You've got Napoli, Inter Milan, and Juventus in the Italian League, which is the most exciting at the moment. You go to England, 25 points clear, Liverpool. They are standout, the best team I in know. the world at the moment. Oh, I oh no doubt. Absolutely no doubt. And, uh, they've got a beautiful balance. And I, you know where the strength comes is in the back line. That's, that, that to me just identifies, you know, you can have the greatest striking force, but if you've got no defenders, uh, it, it leaves you vulnerable. But I think, uh, Virgil van Dijk and uh, the two backs, uh, just, just make up the whole team at that and they never let you down, you know, Game after game, just there and steady. And I think, to a large extent, that's where the uh, you know that's where the league has been won, and that's where this record has been set. It's uh, for me, it's uh, you know in, in, in their defence. Well said, David Shapiro mm. is the <laughs> deputy chairman of Sassman Securities in Johannesburg, and that was Shapiro World. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors, and do not reflect the policy position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.